What's going on, guys? Um, welcome back to the se- seventh episode of the Hardwood Amino Co- Podcast. I'm your host, Snake, and um, today we have a very special guest. But before we get into that, um, what's going on, son? How has this whole quarantine been going for you? Uh, hi, Dad. How are you? Uh, it's been going well. Uh, I, you see, my brain is currently not working, but I'm still everyone's favorite midnight snack. I'm still the supreme waffle night. Yeah. Yeah. Adopt me, please. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. Obviously, we missed last week because, uh, you know, our guest wasn't able to be there. Um, but it was a good break. Uh, we're back to business now. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Hornets fan Sally, a.k.a. HFS. Uh, what's going on, man? How's um, all this quarantine been for you? Been crazy. Quite the adjustment. School a little crazy, but I'm good overall. Yeah, just no. been having fun with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're trying to make the most of it. Um, is there anything? Uh, first off, I mean, before we really even get into the questions, uh, Slint, I'll start with you. Is there anything basketball related you've been doing um, over this pod? I mean, over this um, quarantine? Hell no. <laughs> I've been keeping my sweet ass inside. No, I'm just. Uh, I'm not. I'm not about that life. I'm not trying to catch no corona. No, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about maybe like watching something or like watching tape. Oh, watching something. Uh, honestly, I haven't. I have been on a very lazy spree, and I've also been very sleep deprived, as you can see. Well, not see, but hear. (laughs) Yeah. No. And then, how about you, HFS? Huh. Well, I've been watching some classic ball, but at the same time, I got a basketball class I'm taking for college, and kind of ruins the point when you can't even play basketball anymore. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just a health class, which kind of sucks. But yeah, it's, outside of that, I've been mm-hmm. watching as much classic ball as I can, having fun with that. Yeah, no, it's been rough too, um, just not being able to go outside. Well, actually, um, I'm able to hoop um, at my house here. I have a court, but. Um, you know, outside with that, you know, I can't see any, like, see any friends or anything, which is pretty, um, you know, it's not the yeah. best. So just been trying to, you know, make do with what we have around us and, you know, spending time with people and whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, to get into the questions, uh, I first want to ask you, because um, it's pretty interesting. Um, and obviously, I did a little bit of research before, you know, coming on here. But um, I think during one of your um, rep lo- level achievements or uh, – yeah, I think it was one of your rep level achievements where you said that um, you stumbled upon hardwood because you were testing out your Apple ID. Yeah, uh, so I changed my Apple ID and I forgot it. I was like, you know what, I'm going to just download some random app be like, you know, maybe this will work, see if my password's right and pulled it up. Wasn't planning on keeping that, but here I am now on it 24-7. Yeah. So kind of crazy experience, but definitely pretty cool yeah that's that is pretty cool um it's definitely like you know just that you stumbled upon it randomly and just downloaded that's pretty crazy um exactly yeah no that's that's super crazy i mean i i found it i found it just scrolling on the app store and just i was like hey i mean i like to talk about basketball i like to interact with people you know hey might as well just download this and then i mean i'm on it you know just as much now as you as you are or other people are so it's pretty crazy that how that all um you know comes to be, um, yeah. I mean, well, how did how did you uh, come upon it, Slen? Yeah. 
uh, Dom 2K, of all people. Because uh, he was doing a little thing because uh, he was getting promoted by uh, Jacob when he was the leader. And it was like, uh, I forget which video it was on, but I remember seeing it. It was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. So I just downloaded it and wrote its history. So I, like probably many others, found it through NBA YouTube. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's a lot of, you know, that's the main way that people really find it. Um, and then obviously, um, just to start off the uh, – well, actually, I forgot to, forgot to ask the first question that we always ask on the show, which is um, who is the coolest member um, on Hardwood um, that's no longer active that people should really know about? Oh, my goodness, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, there's so many cool guys on that. Mm-hmm. I had to choose one, definitely Sammy. Um, you know, played with him in HFDL, got drafted third round for both of us. You know, we were kind of nobodies, and then kind of in a way took over the league four seasons together, you know, just started from the bottom and, you know, really built, like, great chemistry together and just – that was a special time on Hardwood. I'd say, you know, cool guy, smart guy. So I'd say probably him. I still talk to him a good amount on like Snapchat and stuff like that. So yeah, he was, yeah, he was a a, a real good player um, in HFTL, and I think a lot of people who you know aren't you know um, obviously informed or know about him now should know about him because um, you know he was he definitely you know left a good imprint. Um, on HFDL um, and on Probably the fantasy best. drafting. Exactly, yeah. Um, arguably. Um, I mean, we can get into some more HFDL later. Um, but, well, I, I'll ask you about Samir. Like, what was what was the one thing that you learned from him, I guess? Because I know you guys, um, you know, you were the GM of the Blunts and um, you worked with him and whatnot. So what was the biggest thing you've learned from him? Just work hard. I mean, you know, people talk about those teams and how talented they were. And, I mean, they were talented, but it was like we outworked each other, outworked the other team every single game, you know, just playing hard, practicing. It didn't matter who it was against. It could have been against the most random person. We had every single strategy memorized. So, no matter what the other team did, we were ready. So, it's just like you can't over-prepare. And I think just what you I learned from my time playing with him, that would definitely be the thing. For sure, yeah. Uh, Slen, I mean, thoughts? Uh, I didn't really know Samir, but I am an HFDO, and uh, he's definitely left an imprint in the league. I'll keep it at that. He is a 20 cap for a reason, even though he's not really as active as he used to be. Okay, but uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, I never really got to know him, though, besides, like, heat chat, so can't really speak upon him. Yeah. No, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I obviously have a connection to him because I'm a Heat fan. Um, but we, you know, didn't really have too many interactions. Uh, but I know he was a great dude and, like, a great drafter too. So, you know, someone that, you know, I can respect um, in that manner. But um, I guess moving on to – and, you know, HFDL is a, a big part of, you know, your resume on Hardwood, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, what you're able to achieve, um, you know, winning the championship five, five, uh, you know, five seasons. Uh, and then obviously, um, being finals, uh, most valuable player, two of those seasons. Um, so, you know, talk about, I guess, talk about the, um, you know, your initiation process to, you know, want to go into, um, HFDL. 
um, and how that went for you? Um, I mean, I can't even lie. I got put in the best situation possible. You know, I was pretty much no name on the app at the time. Like people knew who I was, but I wasn't, you know, looked at as high as I am now, I guess you could say. So I was in the draft and I'm like, I don't know when I'll get picked. It was like third round. And some guy named Rhino PMs me. He's like, yeah, don't say anything in the chat because I'm going to draft you. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Of course, many will call him the best GM in hardwood history, but I was like, whatever, I guess I'll play for this guy. That's kind of cool. So I didn't say anything. And eventually, you know, someone picked me before him, but he made the trade to get me. I was like, all right, we'll see how this league goes. And just the way it went, he pretty much figured out the league before anyone else did. And we just practiced like crazy, had a fun team chat. And just like that, it was like, all right, this is the league I'm going to stay in. And then when he retired, I was like, and I had the opportunity to become GM. I was like, yeah, this is it. And I just stuck with it kept working hard, tried to build on what he, you know, implemented there. And that's just how it went. Yeah. No, yeah. And then um, also, um, you know, I wanted to ask you as well, um, that Blunt's team, uh, you know, highly regarded as, you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team um, in HFDL history. Uh, you know, what What? What would you say was the prime uh, – you know, prime blunts, like what season was that? Um, and maybe some explanation behind that. That's a hard one because, like, all the teams are so different. I mean, you know, I was talking with some guys on that before I got on this podcast, and I was like, season one, league really wasn't even that good. The guys, like you see, that had never even been in the league were just as good as the guys we looked at as superstars in season one. Um, it wasn't really that talented. You know, we just worked hard. Yeah. And, practiced a lot but then it was like season two it's like all right rhino's gone now we got to build ourselves our own identity you know we started you know getting a little bit closer as a team and then season three we brought in nola and that was a game changer just with the activity he brought it was like all right this team chat i think the day we drafted so we traded for nola and then the draft day we picked up three rookies we picked up adam cs and saquon we probably practiced or just like did casual drafts, maybe eight to 10 straight hours. That's season three. Right after we drafted them. Yeah. Damn. That's a hell of a draft. No, not the season three draft. Like we did oh. like practice drafts and team chat. Like we drafted those guys. Oh, okay. And then it was like, so the draft ended at four o'clock and we probably drafted from the day moment we added them in the team chat till 2 a.m. in the morning. It was like, all right, this is the direction this team's going. So those final two seasons, Activity was insane. We obviously added leg, cable guys like that. It was just such a fun time. So I'd say prime was towards the end just because the activity of that chat was unraveled. Yeah. At least. Yeah. No, I'll, I mean, obviously, you know, you can't, you know, unless you're really um, on that team, you can't really, um, you know, I guess, uh, feel for just the amount of, you know, like you said, activity um, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, you know, I've I've heard stories about that team chat. That team chat was, you know, super active. And you see team chats nowadays. I've been in team chats where, you know, I look on my chats and I'm like, you know, what what happened? Like, I forgot that I'm even on this team. Exactly. And then you have a team chat, you know, as in the blunts. And it's like, I mean, my God, like, 
you know, these guys, you know, and you, you could tell, like, I guess, you know, from the outside looking in, um, you know, whether it be like screenshots or whatever, you, you could see like um, just how, you know, bonded you guys were in hearing stories, you know, um, you know, from yourself, just about, you know, how um, connected you guys were. It's, it's great to see um, for sure. Uh, and then, you know, you all, you obviously, uh, you know, I mean, Slen, do you want to ask anything else about HFDL? Cause I, I didn't really want to um, proceed. I, no, because I'm getting PTSD from change draft that I do with HF, uh, HFS. But how is it? 78 minute draft. How is it knowing that <laughs> the two of us basically partook in the longest final game ever? Because, God, it was. I hated it. That, that was painful, to say the least. I mean, I'm glad I won just because I would have been like, that was the biggest waste of time in my life. But yep. I'm glad I'm never going to have to do that again. Yeah. All I can say about it. <laughs> what actually here's a good question. What's what's the I, I'm I'm wondering because you know, obviously uh you know, you in HFDO you really have to research. Um what's the I guess what's the uh most you know, in one I guess for one draft, like what's the most amount of time you've researched? Like do you have like a story behind like one of one of your researching um and en- endeavors? Do. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I got look back season two, the finals. We were playing the ballers, and you know they had like times and we go, you know the team was supposed to be a pretty good competitor, and then something happened. Leg died, you know, pretty much pretended that he got banned or something, so that they didn't prepare at all. But we had no clue. We thought they were preparing just as much as we are. And Justin Fox, the commission at the time, he made the craziest topic. It was players who scored the last basket for the winning team in a finals game. So I remember that day, or like the next two days, Sam and I, we watched for, we watched hours and hours of old basketball film trying to find who scored the last basket of each finals game. I'd be watching game one through seven of the 1970 finals. I'm like, all right, Walt Frazier, please make this basket so you're (laughs) eligible for this draft. I was like, what the heck? And he'd have this one time, I was like, all right, it's finally time. Walt's going to be eligible. Had a wide open layup, and he passed it to, like, Dick Barnett at the last second. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I probably watched five hours of basketball film, and Samir did the same. And then we show up to the draft, and the other team hadn't even prepared. I was like, we did all this research for nothing. <laughs> and they picked, like, four ineligible players. But that's definitely the craziest topic I've ever seen. Wow, <laughs> that's insane. Uh, the craziest research story I've ever had was for, uh, I think it was like round, no, not round two, I think it was like game four. It was against the ballers. And uh, I spent like 14 hours researching shit. And I was like fucking <laughs> staying up all night doing drafts by myself, mind you, because like most of our chat is European. So the struggle to have like, you know, practices and all that and the uh, regular day besides like one player, it's. That's it's a little rough. bit of a struggle, yeah. but when the 12 a.m. hours hit, they hit hard. Like, I had to do, I had to try my best to make legit drafts by myself. So I was basically like facing myself in a draft just to make sure that I can do this or do that. Like, I have never prepared so hard for a game than a game four with the fucking ballers because, like, I I had a chip on my shoulder from getting cut, and I was like, you know what? No, this is my game. <laughs> And 
the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, beat Rust W zero. Uh, other than that, nothing really too crazy. Just the usual research I did, the usual drafts where I'm staying up like eight hours compared to the fourteen I did when I was going to callers. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the craziest I have. Oh. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say anything was um, any. Any game was too crazy for me. I only lost it in, you know, HFDL a couple seasons, but, um, you know, until, like, activity kind of went. Um, I mean, I'm active again, but I've, I'm taking up HPL. It's my main league now, um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, that's a upcoming league. Um, you know, we've had uh, a little bit of problems with that league, um, you know, with, with staff, but, we, you know, we won't get into that. Um, but, no, um, you know, to sort of uh, – I guess wrap up, uh, you know, the HFDL segment here um, before we move on. Cause I know there's other stuff we have to cover um, before we get into some NBA talk with hardwood. Um, but who are your top five drafters, uh, HFDL drafters um, besides yourself? Let's do a top five beside yourself. Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. I mean, first two are easy for me. You know, Sam here, I feel like the best draft I've ever seen, you know, part of it, I got to see him so much, but I know it's the best. Master, he's what, like 19 and 0. I think those two are obvious. After that, though, I don't even know who I pick. Um, if I'm just talking guys from a pure talent standpoint, Justin Fox, pretty great drafter. Played with him in season two when you had him, me, and Samir, and then guys like Point instead of my on the team. Yeah. Absolutely unstoppable. So I'd probably throw him in there. If I only had two more spots, probably Nola and Leg. But Hart's right up there with them. That's what I was going to say, Hart, so too. two of those three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's six guys, but I don't even think I can narrow it down more than that. And then you got Dre as well. I think people hate on Dre because maybe he's can annoy people, but the guy is one heck of a drafter. Yeah. No, I mean, and also, would you say, I mean, longevity, like, you know, how long they were, be, uh, you know, able to sustain success in the league? Like, does that play a factor in your list, probably? I mean, for me, I'm just ranking purely off drafting standpoint because, I mean, Justin Fox, he was you know, active for, like, maybe two seasons. Okay. But just from a pure talent standpoint, he's up there. Okay. But so, I don't think okay. outside – there's only, like, two or three guys I think that have really sustained that level their entire career. You know, Master did. I think Hart's really pretty much eight straight seasons of, you know, pure – Dominance. You know. Yeah, exactly. He was playing at a star level his entire career. But that's, like, an exception. You don't usually see that. Right, yeah. So. Well, yeah, for that's sure. That's what I'd say. For sure, yeah. I mean, there's so many great drafters. Um, I'd imagine that'd be a, a difficult one for you. But I, I, I'd agree with a lot of the guys on your list. And, I mean, we could make a top 10 or top 15, top 20. I mean, expand that list if we wanted to because there's a lot of great uh, guys that, you know, that uh, don't get exactly. enough. Um appreciation um wanted to move on to uh, you know a subject that um i think we should bring up uh what was what would you say because obviously you're a leader now you know i'm a, I'm a curator on the app so we're, we're both staff members what, what would you say because i i have a you know I, I have some moments where i say hey like looking back um you know this is what got me to the position i am as a staff member today what was the key moment for you um looking back that was like hey this is what um and maybe something other than HFDL, like what was something that um, you said, hey, like th- I think this propelled me to, 
you know, for Will and, and Jacob and the guys to say, hey, they want me on staff? Um, I'd say for me, it was just like people saw us consistently active, you know, everyone, you know, I feel like I was generally a liked person before then people were like, you know, everyone had like hashtag HFS for curator. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. I didn't really think too much of it, but Will, you know, he was like, he PM me. He was like, how interested are you in being staff or like, you know, I was like, I'd think that'd be really cool. And he was like, you know give a resume and I probably, you know, put like two hours into that. I wrote like, you know, four messages long because you couldn't fit them into like one thing. So I just wrote for like two straight hours, everything I've possibly accomplished, even the smallest things in the league. And, you know, he got back to me. It's like, you know, I think you'd be great for staff. I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And eventually when I got promoted, you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna jump right in, try to do what I can. And, Obviously, I got leaders soon after. So I'd say that's probably it for me, just seeing the positive feedback, I guess, I got from Will. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's, you know, you, you've done, a, I think you've done a really good job of just, um, you know, the position that you've, that you've had recently um, or, or since, uh, I think you got promoted in what, uh, May of June or June of 2019? Yeah. Okay. Early June. Okay. So, yeah, around that time. Um, but, um, no, I think you've done a great job of what you've been given. Um, and, uh, you know, um, obviously we've, we've grown pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen what you've been able to do. And then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, looking in now um, as a staff member, I've seen um, just the day-to-day and, you know, what you guys do. Um, not only you, but um, other leaders and curators and um you know, actually, what's what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, the, the new guys, um, you know, not only me, but, uh, you know, just the because obviously when Jacob steps down, um, you know, Will goes in and, you know, he's recruited all these, um, you know, new curators and leaders. So um, what's your thoughts on like, um, you know, I guess the, the new guys and um, just, you know, where we can really take this thing? I mean, to me, I think we got the best staff we've ever had on that. Like, yeah. You know, no disrespect to some of the other guys. I mean, we've had some great guys. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's some guys, obviously, we'd love to have back. For sure. But overall, this group, I mean, we got, what, 15 guys, I think, on staff. That's ridiculous. And every single one of them yeah. is strong. And not only that, but, like, they each bring different things. They're all motivated. I mean, we see what you're doing with this podcast and stuff like that, social media promotion, all kinds of guys. You know, Brian – doing stuff with the Instagram and guys reaching out for YouTube, you know, small YouTube sponsors, you know, every single guy maybe getting involved more in leagues, making sure everything's running smooth there. But I think you could, you know, pinpoint a thing or two from every single staff member and be like, this guy was a good addition and be able to say why. I think that's huge. Yeah, that is huge. Um, Having, yeah, having someone that can do, uh, you talk about like, you know, one, two, three, four, five staff members. Well, when you have 15, like just doing a bunch of different, um, you know, things throughout the app. And like you said perfectly, I think you could pinpoint to one thing um, for every, you know, that we're doing. I mean, I, me with, um, you know, some social media stuff in this. And then, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you got Brian who's doing a great job with the Instagram, as you mentioned. Um, D Beast is doing a great job, I think. 
Like he's doing, uh, you know, this 2K tournament that I'm that I'm seeing um, that I signed up for, which I think is a great idea um, that obviously we, um, you know, the NBA is doing that. But I think that was great to do as well. And then he's also doing, um, you know, DBs is trying to get like, uh, you know, experts to come on and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, just uh, TGF doing his thing. Uh, you know, so many different people. I don't want to. I don't want to keep going down the line just just in case I forgot someone. But you could really pinpoint to so many um, different guys on that staff, um, along with exactly. you know you guys, um, the leaders doing a lot. Um, yeah, it's great for the community, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of it and see where we can go with this. Um, but yeah, um, Slant. I mean, yeah, and and that's also the reason why we're doing this podcast too, because I know. Um, you know, Slen's been on the app for a long time um, and, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, really, you know, take this thing and, you know, Slen being a part of this, I think it's good for both of us to um, really grow the app um, together with this initiative, with the podcast and and whatnot, um, for sure. Um, Slen, I'll give you the, the mic because I feel like I'm asking a lot. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I've just been minding my own business over here, really. But uh, I guess since we're done with the hardwood stuff, uh, we might as well take it to the NBA because I just I just want to know where did your love for the Charlotte Hornets from? Uh, well, stem from per se because when I I live in Charlotte, not Charlotte, but North Carolina, uh, and I I cannot like that team worth the life of me. I tried my hardest, but I just couldn't. I think you got a valid so, excuse there. It's a painful life. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, hey, this the Miami Heat that I've been liking more than the Hornets since, like, 2007 when they faced the Grizzlies. D-Way dropped, like, 42. Uh, no, yeah. I tried my hardest. I really did. But I could not stick with the team at all. Because what Jordan's been doing with the team, what ownership's been doing in general, like, the front office, it's not really not really been great. Exactly, yeah. Um... So I, kinda, I want to know where this love stemmed from because I'm curious. Um, I mean, for me, it was just, I mean, obviously, I'm a local guy, probably like 30 minutes or so from the arena. So, I mean, you know, I'd see games, you know, when I was younger, getting into the NBA, seeing guys, I'm like, all right, these guys are kind of cool. You know, I'd see Gerald Wallace, DJ Augustine, you know, just pulling for those guys and just hoping they turn into something. Um, I mean, obviously, guys like DJ, they never really panned out, but it was just that constant hope, I guess, kept me with them, you know, when we that 2012 season, the historic 7-59 and season. I mean, you can imagine how rough that was, but I enjoyed watching the games, just watching to see Kemba, watching with the hope that we get Anthony Davis and that's lottery, and, of course, that didn't happen either. But, like, at this point, you know, I've just stuck with them for so long. It's not going to get any worse than it was there. I know that. So I just stick with them. I think at this point, here we are now, 2020, team might not look that good, but if you watch those games night in, night out, it's a fun team to watch. You see Devontae Graham. It's crazy what he's doing as a sophomore when he's pretty much a rookie because he barely played last year. I think Terry Rozier, his contract might be too much, but, like, I'm enjoying watching him. P.J. Washington's exciting. Even the role players like Bismack. You know, I'm just enjoying watching those guys. So, I think it's deception. Exactly. But, like, Bismack, you know, you can make the memes out of him. But, like, this season, he's really stepped up and, like, actually been a productive player. You look at what happens when we put him on the court with our young guys. And, like, our, you know, plus minus just goes up like crazy with him just because of the rim protection he brings. 
and Devontae being so great in the pick and roll, Bismack helps out with that. So it's like he might not be a long-term piece if we do bring him back. It definitely won't be this huge contract. But he's, you know, just guys like that. They've made the season fun. And, I mean, it's looking up for us as Hornets. Yeah. So. Uh, I still want to know your initial reaction to that Terry Rozier contract because the moment it did it, everyone was plotting the Hornets in every single chat. Oh, yeah, saw. it was awful. Uh, what, was it know- what was it knowing that you basically signed Scary Terry, but you didn't sign Scary Terry. You basically signed just Terry. Exactly. I was like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I wasn't online because I was on a church mission trip and didn't even have my phone when we lost Kemba. But I just remember hearing Kemba was gone. I was like, what happened? I thought he wanted to stay. And I was like, I wonder why I left. Of course, eventually I get back, get my phone. And when I see that we didn't want to pay him enough, I was like, we're not going to pay this guy enough when he's done everything for us. Um, and then I was like, here we are overpaying Terry Rozier, giving him nearly $20 million a year. And the guy was awful as a backup last season. So, I mean, you can imagine, especially with the history of their team, I was very frustrated. But even if he's a slight overpay now, I think he's been great. So, like, it's been worth it watching him. He's scored the ball at a high level, even if it's not the most efficient. His defense is crazy underrated. He fits really well with Graham and it's been, I think, a big reason for why Graham broke out this year. So even as frustrating as it was to deal with that and where every single chat like Breezy and I would go in, it was automatically Rozier gets brought up and everyone clowning us. I was like, this is going to be a long season. But it's been good overall. Yeah. No, I uh, just to bring my thoughts to the table here, um, you know, as far as uh, the Hornets are, I like what the Hornets are doing. I think they get overlooked as far as, like, like you talk about the young teams in the NBA, like Atlanta, then you have the Pelicans, but no one really even brings up the Hornets. The Hornets have a lot of good young talent, um, for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, PJ Washington's probably a top five rookie this year. No, I mean, you yeah, know, it's Miles Bridges just won the Rising Stars MVP. I mean, yeah, to say what you want about the award, it's not that telling, but like he's got talent. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty telling. I mean, there was a lot of good players in that game too. Um, not like exactly. not like they, you know, maybe they don't go one hundred percent. Um, but you know, there are, there are a lot of good players. And I mean, if you ask one of those players, I mean, they, you know, they, they like to get that award. So, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of telling in that, but you know, just to go back, I mean, I, I don't, honestly, I don't really like teams that are like, I like teams that are very, um, you know, obviously like Jordan's like, he's made some very questionable decisions with salary and, and giving people contracts, um, on that team, but, and, Look at the tomb. Yeah, exactly. One twenty mil. To him. That's a really bad contract, but um, but you know, I at least I like because I don't really like teams that are in you know stuck between um, like for example, like the Pistons, and I know they moved on from Drummond, but I don't like teams that are very teams that are very stuck in between whether they want to go young or just stay with vet. like I like teams that are very um, you know, if you're gonna go young, stay young. You know, don't have you know, all these other guys, you know, linger around that are veterans or whatever. Cause like the Pistons, I feel like are very indecisive while, while as with the, the Hornets, you know, you have a team that's very young, has a bright future, um, you know, and they're going young. I mean, obviously Kemba didn't work out, um, but maybe he wasn't um, sort of, you know, on that same timeline, I guess you could say. Exactly. Right? I think looking at it now, especially when you see, you know, guys like Devontae breaking out, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it shows, I mean, as much as we miss Kemba, it is probably the right decision for the team. 
like for the first time in my entire time as a fan, like we actually have a direction. You know, it's not like we'll draft a no. young guy like Noah Vonla and be like, all right, we'll rebuild with guys like this, but then just go out and trade him for Batum and then pay him like crazy. It's like now we actually have a direction. So it's like for the first time there's like legitimate hope as a Hornets fan. It's not like just trying to make yourself hopeful. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, there's, there's you know, some decisiveness, um, you know, within the team as far as, you know, like you said, the direction. I mean, I think that's important, um, you know, to get off on the right track and, to, you know, you know, you may not be, you know, like a Bucks or the Lakers or whatever or whatnot, but, you know, you, you have exactly. you have guys that can, you know, that, that, that have, you know, you see potential and that's, that's what you want. Um, and speaking of potential, um, there's a lot of guys on that team, I think, that have that. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, out of the young guys on that team, who do you who do you see the most potential out of? I think Devontae and PJ are definitely the main two. You know, Devontae scoring the ball, not the most efficient, but like his three point shooting's been insane. Elite as a pick and roll player, you know, great passer. He's getting there in defense. He shows potential in defense. So I think he's definitely the one guy along with PJ. PJ's just, you know, your modern style power forward. He's what you want in the power forward in today's league because he can shoot the three ball. You know, he broke the record for most threes in the debut, which was absolutely amazing. And then at the same time, he was dominating on the defensive end, you know, getting a couple blocks sometimes in games. So I think those are our main two. Miles Bridges, I'd probably, as much as I like him, I don't know if he's really part of our future. I don't know if he fits with the current team we have. Malik Monk, I got no clue what's going on after this drug issue with him. But I think those two guys. Yeah, and then basically over with. And then you look at the Martin twins too, Cody and Caleb Martin. I mean, they're never going to be stars. They're probably going to be backups. But, like, Cody's defense is amazing. He's a great passer. And then Caleb was scoring double digits for the last five or six games. So I'd say those, you know, we've got a lot of pieces. And we got, you know, first-round pick. I think we're projected to get like pick eight in the draft so yeah you know we've got pieces yeah no that's that's for sure um now I wanted to ask you as well um you know as far as Devonte goes I mean he I mean you know you you could you know you can't argue the fact that I mean the guys jumped out you know out of nowhere um this year um you know it's a clear candidate for most improved um you know we'll we'll see what happens with the NBA season because of this whole um, coronavirus thing, but, um, you know, what, uh, you know, did you have any prior knowledge about him uh, coming in? Like, did you know he was going to be this good? I mean, I didn't know he was going to be this good, but I did like him a lot as a player. It's funny. Last season, you know, the 2019 season when he's backing up Kemba, I liked him mainly for his defense. I thought, I was like, all right, this point guard, he's got good defense. I feel like he's a piece for the future. He might be our starting point guard in the future. So it's like, all right, when Kemba left, I'm thinking, all right, maybe we'll try Devontae and Malik backcourt. I was like, that's kind of cool. So when we traded when we traded for Rozier, gave him that huge contract, partly I was upset because I felt like we overpaid him, but partly I was like, all right, maybe Graham's not going to get his chance. So I was high on Graham more than most because it's not like he's a complete unknown. He was a great player in college, but I think he's exceeded anyone's expectations, especially this quick an inefficient four points per game to a more efficient 18 a game while developing everywhere else too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's also crazy because I mean he was a beast at Kansas, you know. So he um you know it's funny because a lot of player you know some players you look at them in college and they're you know they go crazy and then they you know their games don't necessarily translate to the NBA. But I mean obviously um, with Devonte, you know it, it took um you know it, it took uh I mean would you say it was more of a you know him just getting because obviously you have Kemba leaving and whatnot and you have Terry coming. Would you say it's more of him just getting? a chance would you say yeah he's always had this talent you know he's worked hard he just was given the opportunity the minutes opened up for him you know I mean he wasn't even starting for the first few games of the season and he did you know he was our sixth man and he's breaking out hitting five six threes every game yeah so it's like he was given the chance but it's not like we just gifted it to him he did have to work for it work for those minutes and obviously once he got those minutes it's no looking back so. Yeah, not looking back at all. And then, uh, you know, before before I give uh, you know, send the mic to ask some more questions. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to ask you about, uh, you know, the the obviously, um, you know, you look at GMs throughout the league and, um, you know, in, in front office and whatnot, and um, you know, you look at the Masai Ujiri's and, um, you know, all these different other GMs. Uh, you know, what's your, you know, I I know. You know, Jordan hasn't been the best, but, you know, what – Um, I guess what's your thoughts on him as a GM and all of that stuff? Well, you know, Jordan's more the owner. And I well, think yeah, yeah. Even though he's the owner, he's been, like, an active owner. I think that was the problem with the team before. You know, we had Rich Cho as a GM, and he's an awful GM, no doubt. But Jordan had a lot of say in a lot of the decisions we made, and it was like, you know, when we picked Malik Monk over Donovan Mitchell – Steve Clifford won Mitchell, and Jordan was like, nah, I went Monk. And, you know, that was the issue with a lot of our picks. But when we fired Cho and got Cupcheck in as GM, I think Cupcheck was given a lot more freedom, and I think that's why we've seen a lot of the change. You know, you know what's his name, Cupcheck? He's been killing it with the second-round picks. He landed Devontae Graham, and then he got um, – after he got Graham, he got Cody Martin in the second round. Dwayne Bacon hasn't even been the best, but, like, for a second-rounder, he wasn't bad. He's just been killing it with all six. So I think that's just been a big game-changer, having someone like Cupcheck there. And just taking guys like P.J. Washington. Maybe the Rozier signing wasn't the best, but, like, it's worked out pretty well. So I'd say it's the best we've looked as far as our front office overall as a team. I'm pretty sure that should keep it up. Yeah. No, I meant um... – I meant owner, but I don't know why I said GM. My bad. But um, you're yeah, good. Um, no, but um, yeah, they've done. I think they've done a a pretty good job of what they've been given. Obviously, not the, um, you know, the greatest of uh, you know, obviously not the greatest of um, exactly. You know, teams, but but still a team that has a lot of hope and a lot of promise going into the future. Yeah. Um, we're competent for the first. For time. sure. Yeah. Um, Slender, anything else you want to add, man? Uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, actually, yeah, I kind of want to do a little, a little thing here. Something a little different. Uh, so the 2010s, they have been grueling for the Charlotte Hornets State of East, even though you didn't make the playoffs in 2015, mm-hmm. lost to all our Miami Heat. Uh, I kind of want to know, uh, if you were to go back, like, which draft class would you change in your favor? Like, 
what would be the one where you wish you drafted it early to where you could have a better future and maybe even have, you know, uh, pieces around Kemba, if that makes sense? Like, what would be the one draft you would change? I think you got to like start right from the beginning. You know, we take Kemba in 2011. That was good. But, I mean, I love Bismack, but, like, when we made that trade to move up from 19 to 7 to get Bismack, obviously did not work out the best. Uh, even though Kawhi fell to 15, Kawhi was considered at pick seven. People were having lots of mocks had us taking Kawhi. So if we could have snagged Kawhi and then throw, thrown him with Kemba right from the start, that would have been a scary duo. You know, Kawhi is what MKG we were hoping he'd be, and obviously he wasn't. So I'd probably say take Kawhi, or even if we took Clay that year or the next year, instead of taking MKG, maybe take Beal. It just gives Kemba some help, give us a nice little duo. And then from there, we got something to build around. The most hope Kemba's ever had, too, was like, you know, Al Jefferson. Exactly. And Al Jefferson, he was great. But yeah. You know, I feel like people forgot how good Al Jefferson was that season, 2014, his first year here. He was playing, you know, might sound crazy to say he was playing at like a weak MVP level. He wasn't like at LeBron or KD. But, like, outside of that, you could argue he was the best player in the league for a short bit. You know, he was putting those Bobcats teams on the, his back, averaging, you know, 25, 26 a game for the last half of the season, getting double-digit boards. You know, he's putting up 40, 20 games. And even though he's usually been a bad defender, the Hornets were, like, a top-five defensive team in the league for a good while, or the Bobcats were. And it was with him at center. He was the defensive anchor. I'd never seen anything like it out of Al, and obviously we never saw anything like it again. But that was like the one time Kemba had help, and it was amazing for that short time. Yeah, you saw exactly. the playoffs with that as well. Like I said, yeah, that was even though yeah, 2014 we got swept by LeBron with Al Jefferson, and then obviously two years later we came back, nearly beat y'all Miami, but of course. Dwayne Wade and Purple Shirt Man had other things to say about it. Purple that was shirt legendary. Man. No one will forget God. that guy. Yeah, with the with the he had a, a green um, drawstring bag. He had the bandana. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Hated among his own city now. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that's really it, though. Yep. Uh, my, yeah, uh, um, I have uh, a couple more though. Um, I wanted to ask, um, you know, uh, you know, looking back, I'd say at, uh, you know, the Hornets and you know they've had, uh, you know, ups and downs, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, more downs than you would want. But what what was the, I guess, uh, most memorable season for you? Like, what would you say? What was your favorite season to watch? I'd say, I mean, we just talked about this. Two teams, 2014, 2016. 2014 was great for Al Jefferson. 2016, we won 48 games. But I love that 2010 team. We went, you know, we made the playoffs. As, I think the seven seed lost to Orlando first round. But, you know, you had guys like Gerald Wallace playing the best basketball of his career. Made an all-star team that year. Steven Jackson didn't make the all-star team. I think you could definitely make the argument he should have been. And then even outside of that, we had Raymond Pelton, DJ Augustine. both. We had two starting caliber point guards. Traded for Tyrus Thomas at the deadline, who was great for a short bit. 
I mean, we had guys like DJ Augustine coming off the bench and Tyrus Thomas and Tyson Chandler. It was a stacked team. And just I went to probably seven games that season because we got a lot of free tickets. You know, saw them play the Magic and the Cavs, you know, LeBron's Cavs. And there was not a team we couldn't keep up with in that league. So even if the record doesn't say it, just the overall excitement of that team definitely has to be my team. I'm going to miss that team forever. Yeah, it's a good argument. Um, I mean, for me as a Heat fan, it's probably 2013. Um, just yeah. like crazy season. Yeah, crazy season. Uh, you know, win streak. Um, you know, up there with, you know, 27 up there with like one of the you know greatest. Uh, 1972 Lakers. Exactly. Um, so obviously, like that was pretty memorable. And then you know. I would watch, you know, especially during that, you know, time frame, just watching every game in that win streak. Um, and then, you know, um, you know, when it uh, came to an end against the Bulls, uh, that was tough. Um, but, yeah, just watching that team um, and what we were able to do. LeBron playing out of his mind. Yeah. And then, and then all those role players stepping up, Ray um, and Battier. Yeah, a bunch of role players. Um, Battier, yeah, a name that, you know, should come up because he, you know, you know, uh, Definitely a, a big glue guy on that team. Uh, and then you have, you know, Mike Miller, um, who can forget, you know, one shoe off, um, uh, hitting you know, a ton of threes um, for us and, you know, just spreading the floor for LeBron, you know, to do his thing and whatnot. So, yeah, just a whole yeah, – Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers. Chris Anderson. Chris Ant- Birdman, yeah, of course. Uh, Norris Cole, you know. No, just a ton of great players. Um, obviously, can't go over exactly. every one of them in this pod, but yeah, a bunch of good role players around. You know, the big three. Um, that was a memorable season for sure. And then, um, you know, I also wanted to bring up too. Um, you know, your your love for like the history of the game. Uh, I guess where did that? You know, because I think you mentioned to me, um, and we've talked before about, um, you know, Al Jefferson, the Hornets, and um, and whatnot, but. You know, also, you started following – I think you started following basketball in what year again? I think it was um, late 2000s. Yeah, the 08-09 season was my first year watching. But, like, even as I was still getting in the current ball, you know, I was, what, second grade that year. Every single morning, my dad would tape a classic basketball game, you know, a few classic games for me to watch. So every morning before school, I'd wake up, watch a game, you know, go to school, get back, and then watch another game. You know, it's just like I love the old basketball I mean, I love current basketball just as much as anyone. But, like, that's how I really fell in love with basketball, just watching all the old guys, watching, you know, the 90s Suns with, like, Barkley and guys like that. You know, just the most random teams that maybe aren't, like, the biggest teams to talk about now. But, like, I could watch those teams, the 80s Mavs with Rolando Blackman. Like, I'd live to watch those teams. So, just, yeah. like, you know, multiple games every day of classic basketball just kind of came natural to me. Help me, you know, I was still young learning all the guys. But just all those years of doing that just made me love old basketball. Yeah, that's real cool. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, that was the direction I was going with that question. Um, and you answered, I think, um, you know, pretty well. Um, and then, you know, outside of your uh, the Hornets, uh, one of your favorite players of all time is Bobby Jones. Um, can you explain to me how that, um, I guess, uh, you know, your your fandom for, you know, Bobby Jones came up and, like, um, you know, that whole process there? You know, I mean, there's a few natural reasons for it. You know, my dad grew up a Sixers fan. 
obviously Bobby was the sixth man on that team, you know, big piece to that team with guys like Irving and them. So I watched a lot of them growing up, liked him through that. He's a Carolina guy, you know, went to UNC, so I liked him for that. But he also, you know, hosts a few basketball camps. Um, he used to coach, you know, at a small private school. So I'd go, watch, you know, go to the camps every year, you know, met him through that. So it's like, you know, cool to see a guy like that, an NBA player just there. Seems completely like a normal person. You know, just a great guy. Like, if you met him outside the fact that he's, you know, six eight, six nine, you'd have no clue that he's an NBA player just by the way he acts. But, you know, I think he's such a good role model, too. As great as as great of a player as Bobby Jones was, I think you could say he's still a better person. You know, I think so many lessons I learned from him, all the stories he'd tell. You know, there's stories about how, like, ref, like if a referee didn't know what to call, like if he couldn't really see the play, he'd ask Bobby. So it's just like, you know, I learned so much from him. I was like, that's the guy I want to be, you know, the honest player, the guy everyone looks up to. So I liked him for a player, loved his hustle, but I liked him as a person too. Yeah, and an ultimate team player at at that too. Exactly. Um, What would you say? Yeah, and then, well, I wanted to say as well, uh, what would you say was his, um, you know, was – the defining factor in his game that you liked? Like, what was a characteristic of his game that you looked at as, like, wow, I like this guy? I mean, defensively, you know, one of the greatest defensive players ever, no doubt. I mean, you watch the way he guarded Julie Servig and the ABA and then Larry Bird. You know, he was the toughest matchup for pretty much any star forward of that era. You know, just he took, you know, he found joy in, like, the less glamorous parts of basketball, you know, Insane hustle player, great in the fast break. You know, he's an all-time ABA leader in true shooting percentage. You know, just a smart player, never made mistakes. So I just like that about him. And then, of course, the fact that, you know, in his prime, this guy was, you know, an MVP candidate. He was second in ABA MVP voting one year and then fourth place the next year in the NBA. So it's like this guy can be a superstar. But at the same time, when Billy Cunningham, the coach, was like, I think it's best if you're a six-man. You know, no questions asked. Bobby took it on and won the first six-man of the year award. Yeah, just someone who embraces his role. Just that's an invaluable trait for a player as good as he is. So I think that's just what made me fall in love with this game. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, No, yeah, and and then, uh, you know, also um, I want to get into, uh, you know, Last last one or two questions here, but but before we get out of here, I just want to ask you about uh, you know your um, you know your your collection of cards, and and I'm pretty big into cards as well. Um, you know what what uh what inspired you to you know to collect, and like what you know what was it um, you know what was it that led led to your love for like you know to collect basketball cards and whatnot? There's like a local card store like ten minutes away from my house, so I just go there all the time you know growing up when I was like five years old I just go there maybe once every month or so just pick up a few packs you know maybe buy a couple old cards like I'd be like oh that's cool there's a autograph of a player I know from like the 80s so you know I just I learned about players that way and then you know it's just a cool experience you know people at the store were really cool to meet and you know I just kept going and build a relationship with the people that worked there and then just it was just like a hobby that grew to where now I got like thousands and thousands of cards more than I should have to say the least but just a fun hobby and it just kept growing 
Yeah, that's that's dope for sure. Um, and I see you got a lot of old ones too. I mean, I um, I'm more of a new, um, like a, I guess a newer. Um, like I like collecting a lot more uh, newer brand cards, I guess. Exactly. Um, but what would you? Well, what would you say is your favorite card in, in your collection? If you had to pick one, I know it's hard, probably. I have the hard ones. Probably my Kareem autograph card. Uh, yeah, I found it in the store. Just picked it up. I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, he just signed the card, and he signed the back of the card. It kind of looked weird. It's not like a natural place at all for the signature, but it's just a cool card, obviously, maybe. You know, undoubtedly a top five player ever. So I'd say probably Kareem. You know, I got a Bill Walton college card that's autographed. I think that's pretty cool. Probably one of those two. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I have to – it's been a while since I went through my collection, too. I got to – I got to see what I got in there. Um, and it, it's funny, too, because I collect a lot of the newer um, cards and stuff. And obviously, like, rookie go, rookies go for a lot, depending on who the player is. Um, they exactly. can go for a lot, especially, like – and I don't even think a lot of people know the the value of rookie cards. Like, if you can snag a um, – you know, obviously, if you snag a LeBron, like, I mean, depending – I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of money no matter what. Um, but, you know, you, you look at – um, and it's pretty cool, like, just seeing how value, I guess, grows over time, like, with a certain player. Like, for example, perfect example would be a guy like Devontae Graham who comes out of nowhere. You know, you have his rookie card. It goes for, like, you know, it could just grow, you know, exponentially, you know, with exactly. with, with his play. And, like, I don't think a lot of people know, like, look, if you got stuff laying around, you know, check it. Like, you know, you never know what you're going to have. Um, you know, if you just buy a random pack, you know, you never know you can hit. So you, know, you have to like, just really keep up to date on that. Um, and, you know, you never know what you're going to have, you know, so I, I would suggest, uh, you know, it's a really fun hobby, I think, for, you know, just for, um, even if you're not into, you know, I guess, basketball per se, like, you're just maybe a guy that, you know, just sees a name and it's like, oh, it's LeBron. Oh, it's, you know, Giannis. So oh, it's, you know, Kawhi or whatever, but if you're really into basketball, I think it's a really good um, hobby to be um, invested in. Um, you know, it's something that obviously can make you, you know, money, but also, you know, it's it brings a lot of fun out of, you know, out of the hobby as well. So I think it's it's a great um, thing to be a part of. For sure. Um, and then lastly, um, before we get out of here, I need to ask you about your list. Uh, your 1200 players list and you know you have and I didn't even realize this either um, you know because obviously there's so many players but you have their own separate category as well like you have a point guard list you have an all-time shooting guard small forward power forward center Um, so uh, you know take me through the process of all of that Um, you know not not obviously I, I I would imagine, I think it was what, a you said a seven-month process, I think it was? Yeah, it started July last year and then finished in February this year, so seven months. Yeah, so take me through that, um, you know, just some, like, I guess, brief brief explanations, um, you know, how, how you came up with that, um, that you were going to do that, and then, you know, just going through the whole entire thing. Um, I mean, for me, it just started off, I was like, you know what, I might as well start you know, making a list. I had an old list of like, I think my top 150, which I mean, decent size, obviously. But I was like, you know what, I want to have like a better list, you know, learn some more about basketball while I'm doing the research. So I just started off. And I was like, yeah, I might make a top 500, try to match what, you know, Slam Magazine made. 
And I was like, you know what? I can make this longer. I can make it 700 players. Make it 1,000. Eventually, I ranked, I think, over 1,500 players just to make sure I didn't miss anyone. But, you know, I only included the top 1,200, of course. Um, but it was just like a, you know, I love watching all kinds of basketball, all eras. You know, I enjoy watching role players as much as the stars. So it's like I felt like I already had a good amount of knowledge on these guys to where when I do my research, it's just like building on what I already knew. So it was kind of natural for me, I felt like. But that's just how it started. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously everyone has their own opinion. So, you know, you, you look at, um, you know, just how many players um, are on that list. It's, it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty insane feat to, you know, to um, – to rank that that many players, what what was the record before that? Uh, well, I know Slam Magazine has you know thousand they're not thousand the top five hundred list. I think that's pretty much like the only like notable list on the internet that's yeah. got like five hundred players. I think outside of that, you can't really find anything more than like a hundred or so. Well, so yeah, I was like, I mean. you know, I kind of want to top that because I feel like I'm like not like I'm some crazy expert or anything, but I feel like I have enough basketball knowledge to where I can make a list of 1,200 guys and be confident in it, to where I feel like I can defend my rankings. And, you know, yeah. so it's like I, I can put time into this, and I made it and then submitted it. I mean, obviously, if you look at a list of 1,200 players, you're not going to agree with every single ranking. But I think overall the feedback was pretty positive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine, too. I mean, do you ever go back in, you know, Look at what uh, I guess. Look at a set of players and say, "Hey, this guy needs to be here. This guy needs to be there." Oh yeah, I still make changes. I mean, I'm changing it all the time. You know, I probably have an update in a couple weeks, but like I've made changes since then, just small things. I'll be like, uh, "This guy at 567 is better than the guy at 563 or whatever." So mm-hmm. it's just like small things like that. But I'm always continuing it. It's not perfect. It's just a fun little thing I got, and just keep it up with that. Yeah, that's dope for sure. Um, I think a lot of people, um, and you know, I've been I've been invested in trying to get to know. I mean, my my basketball knowledge is not you know as great as yours. It's not as great as you know, um, you know what uh, you know, and, and it's true too because you you go on a hardwood and you know you could I mean you can get um you can get mind blown from like a level five on there. I mean, like yeah, you don't I mean, even need to have smart guys on there. I mean, I feel like. You know, if you asked me, like, two years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I know a lot of basketball. But, like, if I were to look at my opinions two years ago and be like, you know, I really hadn't even thought about this. I never gave – you know, when I joined that, I was like, no doubt in my mind, Bill Russell wasn't that good. I mean, I know he's, I was like, hey, he's the greatest defense player ever. And he won 11 rings, but I didn't really care that much about what he had done offensively. I mean, you know, I thought more about his whole career and just the overall impact of, like, all right, even though this guy was great defensively, the impact he brought is more than just, like, numbers can say. It's just, like, every single player I've learned so much more about, gained so much more appreciation for guys like Tim Duncan. It's just, like, crazy how much you still learn every single day you're on the app. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you, you do learn a lot from and, – and, you know, there there's big fans, like I know um, you allude to, you know, I would assume you allude to a guy like Master when you talk about Tim For Duncan. Sure. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. And then you, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Mello with, um, with Iverson. Like so many, 
different members, um, you know, that have a appreciation for one specific player and then they make a blog or they make an argument for, you know, this guy and you look at it and you're like, Oh, I didn't, I don't really think about that, you know, in the past, but now, now that I'm looking at this blog or whatever it may be, it's like, you know, you really gain a true um, appreciation for, you know, you may not, you know, change, I guess your ranking or whatever, but you, you look at a player maybe in a different light. And I think that's like, that's pretty important like to, to note, um, and you have, you know, just so many, um, you know, I think it's important too to, cause I've been watching tape, um, obviously, um, well not, not too much, um, tape, but, um, my, one of my favorite eras is the, is the two thousands era. And I've reiterated this time and time again, um, I'm a really big fan of like, um, I like T-Mac, uh, you know, who else was good? Like, um, you know, Tim Duncan, uh, KG, you have. Steve Nash. I love the Steve Nash Suns. That's my favorite team from that era. Yeah, bless you, Slan. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> um, Steve. Yeah, Steve Nash, as he said. Um, another that Phoenix team was crazy. Um, and you know, you you look at the pace of that team. That team played under D'Antoni, like you know, exactly. There's they so many ran different that styles of basketball in that era. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing about it. Then you have, you know, D Wade with, you know, just what he was able to do in like oh six, oh nine, like crazy. Um, you know, you have LeBron coming up in that era as well as, you know, the face of that um, you know, era, but you can't even really I mean, there's so many different players, you know, you can't really pinpoint I mean, people are gonna say LeBron is the face of the two thousands, but there's there's a lot of players that, you know, could be deemed as like the face of that era really. Um yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, it's Duncan, but, I mean, you could say Kobe or, you know, Shaq or, or KD yeah. or whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, sort of, you know, and, yeah, and, you know, you have LeBron and it's sort of like passing the torch kind of, but you still have a lot of other guys in their prime in that 2000s era that I think exactly. uh, deserve a lot of recognition for what they were able to do. And, and it's also important, too, to, you know, to look at these role players as well because, you know, coming into hardwood – um, I've gained a lot of appreciation for role players specifically. Like, you know, you have knowledge about, um, you know, my favorite player, Wade, and then you have um, all these, you know, known names that, you know, you think of when you think of basketball, Jordan, LeBron, et cetera. Um, but then you start of, you know, you start to really um, gain appreciation for these role players. Like I was just doing, um, you know, research for a um, – you know, for a, a poll in, um, in HPL and, you know, I obviously followed the heat and followed Battier. Um, but I never knew that he like really like ever since like he was a kid, he really wanted to like, no matter what, he didn't care about, um, he just wanted to make sure he let his teammates know that he was going to do whatever he wanted to, to win. And like, whatever, whatever it may, you know, have come to, like, if it was like something, you know, as little as like when he was a kid, just like, you know, playing a sport just for fun or whatever. He was, you know, doing whatever it took to win. And it spoke to what he was able to do on a professional level. Um, so, no, I just think it's, like, important to know these role players because I've gained a, an appreciation for a lot of the role players as well, like listening to a lot of um, – and I'm not that invested in debates um, on Hardwood, which I should get a lot more invested in that. But um, it's truly, like, great to see, you know, just um, – an appreciation for like these lesser known guys that I think deserve a lot more, um, I guess, recognition 
It's, exactly. it's great. Yeah, you talk about Battier. I mean, as great as LeBron was in Miami, without Battier, LeBron's not the same. Because, I mean, LeBron, you know, he's obviously a small forward. But, I mean, Battier's really the guy who allowed LeBron to truly takes dominate the pressure. in the post. You know, Battier was, yeah, he was the guy spacing the floor, you know. And having someone who could shoot the ball like Battier gave Braun more space on offense. And defensively, Battier, I think, opened up parts of LeBron's game too. So it's just like, you know, those role players truly changed the legacy of those guys. Yeah, it's like, uh, and defensively, I mean, Battier is, you know, a, a super great defender. And he took a lot of pressure off of, I mean, LeBron and, and Wade, um, you know, were obviously pretty good defenders as well. But, the, but, you know, Battier yeah. was was like a known guy that could come in and just um, known for his de- defensive ability and could come in and, and switch off on, you know, uh, one of the opponent's team's like best players and take pressure off. So I think that was important as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, you see like what the Clippers are doing and the Clippers are like, um, you know, right now, I mean, obviously before the season got um, postponed or canceled, I mean, we, we've yet to see what they've done. Um you know, there's been rumors and whatnot, but, um, you know, it's the same thing with like the Clippers, like you bring in a guy like Marcus Morris and he takes the pressure off of like Kawhi and, um, you know, Paul George in that, in that aspect as well. So it's like the same thing there, um, you know, taking the pressure off of like your, your star players. And I think that's where role players really come in and and do their, you know, do their part there. But yeah, um, that's it for me. Um, Slyna, anything else before I, you know, wrap this thing up? Well, no, not really. Yeah. Just kind of yeah, Slyna's just chilling today. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, all in all, I think it was a really good, um, insightful pod um, we had today. Um, For sure. Obviously with, uh, you know, we appreciate you coming on at HFS. Um, always I'm glad you had me here. Always learn a lot. Yeah, um, you know, obviously uh, we got a lot more, you know, people to go through, but uh, we'd love to have you back on um, sometime soon. Um, Definitely. You know, I'll be down. So I'll keep listening to the podcast in the meantime. Keep up the great work, both of y'all. For sure, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up, man. Um, It's been uh, Snake, Slen, and uh, HFS. We're out, guys. Peace.